0: Welcome back to the Everything Must Go podcast. I am Stephen and with me as always is Brandon. And in today's episode, we're going to do a bit of a continuation of some of the topics that we talked about in the last episode and uh, which we discussed pretty much George Floyd and all the subsequent protests and everything that's kind of happened just culturally. Since that's happened, we'll talk a lot about that over the course of this episode, but we're going to try to bring some different angles to this one. Um, part of the reason why we felt it would be important to continue to talk about this is because like, this hasn't gone away. This is a continued thing. We can't kind of, as Brandon had said earlier, we can't lift our foot off the gas. We have to continue to keep, keep talking about this stuff, even though it's really difficult. And I think we all sympathize with everyone who feels a little bit like exhausted with just the same stories over and over and over again. But I think we, we both can agree that we urge people to continue to have these types of discussions. And off the top of this episode, we want to talk a little bit about the this whole burnout effect that we're all feeling right now. So, Brandon, I know that, as we talked about earlier before we even recorded this podcast episode, you have felt it a little bit. But you've continued to keep moving because this is a really important issue, and you actually participated in some protests recently. So I'd like to hear a little bit about how the burnout effect has been impacting you and how you've been able to stay strong and continue to push through this.
1: Yeah, I, well, I, I just in general with, with the burnout stuff, I mean, like you think about a therapist, like one of, the, one of the tough things about having that job specifically is you're constantly being told people's problems. And so as a therapist, like when I was in uh, my master's program, one of the first classes that we got was dedicated to burnout. Because when you're constantly being bombarded with that, that, uh, that negativity and, and those stories that are, are tough, especially if you're an empathetic person, it's really hard to, to continue hearing that and feeling helpless and like you can't necessarily do something. And a lot of things that, that we do for this, you're not going to see the uh, effects of what you're doing immediately. like this stuff is going to take time. And especially with, I think our millennial generation, uh, I think we're, we're so used to like instant gratification with things. I think it can be really discouraging sometimes for us when we are fighting for, for, for equality, we are fighting for justice and we don't see specifically the, uh, you know, the impact of what we're doing. You, You still see the same injustice over and over again. So it's like, what can I really do? I I, I'm exhausted, whatever. So I think number one with me, you know, being on social media is tough. Like I go through stories and whatever, and I'm just, it is exhausting, you know, like, um, part of me, uh, you know, has this desire to, 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 um, you know, go just watch random mindless YouTube videos and, and, uh, do stuff that's, um, not pertaining to anything that, that feels negative. Um, and I, I think that uh, a couple mindsets that uh, I, I've, I've tried to, to have in order to um, prevent myself from falling into complacency is number one, you know, you think about like the school shootings. Uh, you know, Stephen and I were talking about this before the, the podcast. Is you think about the school shootings that have happened, what happens every time? Like there's a school shooting, everybody has an opinion on uh, gun control and, and gun you know, gun rights and whatnot. And then after like a month or something, we stop talking about it. And then it happens again. And that's just another example that compares to this. I don't want to be part of the the the, the part of the movement that I'm really passionate about it in the beginning, but then I just stop caring about it because it doesn't really impact me. And that is hard. So I think it's important to, like I talked to Steven, I, I think, you know, if you wanna step away from social media a little bit, just to give yourself a little bit of a breather, if that's gonna help you sustain the stuff, I think that's a that's a, a, a good idea to take a step back, take a breather, go, uh, you know, take time for self-care, especially because if you are a person of privilege, we're not used to fighting this fight because we haven't had to. So I think there are some things uh, within that that you just need to pay attention to your overall mental and emotional well-being so that you can continue fighting. Um, any Anything that you want to say
0: specifically with, with how you've been dealing with this? Well, I think you all know at this point that I'm someone who I don't take a lot of breaks from social media. I don't take a lot of breaks from content creation. I'm a pretty – I'm a pretty consistent person on the day-to-day, doing my workouts, doing my YouTube videos, and things like this, because the things that mean a lot to me, I keep going. And I've definitely been challenged in this situation because I obviously am in all support of Black Lives Matter and just this entire movement to actually get people to pay attention to what's going on and to keep moving forward. But it's tough, because as much as I want to be able to, to, like, Push for this. I go on to social media, and I see a lot of really great stuff, but I also see a lot of just very ignorant things on there. And it's tough because I like to believe that these people aren't people who follow me on Instagram, or that these aren't people that um, people that really have these thoughts today. Like it, I always kind of felt like things were progressing along, and maybe part of it is just when you're not directly impacted by something sometimes it's hard to see the the full scope of the impact but now it's really been brought to my attention and it, it's it's hard and it's it's hurtful to just go on every single day and just see it be brought up and just more negativity and there's just there's so much negativity right now and obviously there's the added issue of there's also a pandemic going on a lot of people don't have their jobs but there's so much negativity out there right now and I'm such a I'm kind of a glass half full person in general Like you, you, you hear a lot of times how optimistic I can be in like the darkest of times And that's kind of how I've always been So it's been a big challenge For me to Not let this negativity Get to me And I know that I have to continue to To talk about this stuff But I think there's a lot of work to be done Because people are still not hearing They're not hearing this and I, I don't know what else needs to be said to get people to wake up and hear it. But I think we got to keep talking and at least make some more people hear it. Because though I fully believe that not everyone is going to wake up and start making changes, I think that the longer we can push forward on this, the more chances that we are to convert some people. And I just want to feel like... Wh- When we do hit the so-called other side of when we... Because eventually, we won't be directly protesting this incident. Uh, Eventually, we won't have the... We step outside and we see it like right in our face of people saying how things aren't okay. But that doesn't mean that the fight is over. And that's the tough part of this is we need to do something so that this can continue without us even having to protest. Because we've changed our reality so much that we don't even need to do the protests anymore. And I don't know if we'll ever even see a day in our lifetime where this has been completely resolved. I I don't know that I believe it'll ever be completely resolved, but I think for anyone who feels the burnout right now, you have to look at the big picture. Like it's only been a couple of weeks and to say that we're burned out, like this has been going on for, for centuries. And I think that that's something that I've had to remind myself even today, after this weekend, I felt a little bit exhausted from everything. And I don't, I can't like say that it's not right for me to feel exhausted because you still feel what you feel. But when I really think about it, I I think I need to look at the big picture here because oftentimes it's the big picture that matters more than just this sort of like little sprint we have going on right here. And I just think we have to remind everyone who feels the negativity that sometimes you just have to face it. And life isn't always perfect. And if we can continue to to talk about this stuff we're going to work towards a better future and that to me is worth every last second of the anxiety or stress of hearing people who disagree with me because people are going to disagree with you and you got to just talk it out you got to do what you got to do to to play your part in this right now
1: yeah i mean <clears throat> i i know that we actually have some specific examples of people that uh, on, on our platforms have have had different perspectives. We can get to that, but I just wanna say a couple things. Number one, absolutely, it's not, I don't think that it's inherently wrong for you to feel the way that you feel. I, I think it makes sense, like it's logical that people who have, uh, if you are in a pr- place of privilege and you're not used to dealing with this, like how, how are you prepared? How are you equipped to to have dealt with this? The fact of the matter is, in a lot of ways we have the luxury of of taking time away from it so this is my other mindset is like you know think about if, if you need some sort of motivation to keep fighting it might be hard for you to hear all this stuff and talk about this but think about what it's like living you know a, a, as an african-american man or woman living in america uh at, Dealing with this stuff on a daily basis, being worried if I just get pulled over, am I going to survive the pull- Like, all of this stuff, you you have to live with that if you are a person of color. And so it's if I put myself, if I empathize with that perspective, I feel like I got to do what I can to keep fighting. Whether that is you know taking a step away for a second to like catch my bearings and then keep fighting, whatever whatever you got to do to self care and then keep going. I I don't think that it's appropriate for us to, to let off because I think that, um, that's part of the problem is there's like this emotional outrage and specifically within us, because as white people, we're in the majority of this country. So if we want to see things change, we got to be part of the change. We have to be most of the change because we're in the majority. So we have to be, uh, what I would consider on the right side of history with this. And so uh, that's a big thing. But I think, um, you know, sometimes Stephen and I feel like, hey, when we're having these conversations, are we just preaching to the choir? Because it seems like it should be, right? It seems like, well, everybody should get this, right? It it, it seems logical, but we've had situations where uh, there's been some examples uh, of, of things that we're, we're just kind of puzzled with. So, uh, Stephen, you want to start off, because you, you've posted some YouTube videos about uh, th- these topics, and I, I know that you've had some comments from people, and, or anything else that you've kind of dealt with that you want to talk about.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's worth mentioning that I, as a result of what's going on, I kind of backed away a little bit from what, some of the normal topics I've been doing on YouTube, and I wanted to talk about things that I felt needed to be talked about. So. I did things a little bit differently, and as a result, I did a couple of videos that directly talked about the uh, um, about George Floyd, about uh, just kind of racism in this country, about the issues that we have with cops. And when I released that video, I guess in my head I'm like, I feel like a lot of my my uh, subscribers and people who pay attention to me are going to really like this video because you know it's a honest video about needing to make a change that I thought seemed universal. That everybody agreed that what happened to George Floyd was a terrible thing. And I do think the vast majority of people even people who probably might even be racist honestly realized that the police officer acted completely out of character and like completely against what he was supposed to do. But what I was surprised to see from releasing this video was that there was also people who just like didn't see it as a race issue at all. And that was kind of That was a bit jarring for me to see people who just didn't know it was a race issue at all. And I was surprised that I got 27 likes to five dislikes, which obviously that's a lot more likes than dislikes. But if you see a lot of my videos, with the exception of my Cleveland Tourism one, which (laughs) obviously has a lot of dislikes, um, if you look at the majority of my videos, like I get, it can oftentimes be like 50 likes to one dislike. Right. So to get 27 to 5, and and to be honest with you, I think it was 22 to 5 until. The last five likes that I got, I was like, who are these people who are disliking the video? But what's interesting is, I can pretty much pinpoint the people who disliked the video because they were also the ones who commented on the video. So just reading a few of the comments, and I think this is part of the reason why, though I feel burned out from this situation to a certain extent, I see the importance on continuing to move forward, because I get receive a comment like, you do know that far more whites are killed by cops, right? And the comment goes on to then say, But you do not see us rioting. I myself ha- have had issues with police many times, but I don't cry about it. You deal with it like a man and move on. And when I read that comment, obviously I was incredibly angry at first. Um, and I was like, this, is, this has to be a trolling comment. Like, there's no way that someone actually thinks this. But uh, the truth is, I also got another comment underneath that. Well, before that you go to the next said,
1: comment, I I just want to address. Oh I, yeah, I this th-
0: isn't even the next comment. This is just a comment oh. of that comment. The point in all this is, there was people who then went on, and tried to defend that person, like they they for, for their point on it. And I was like, okay, we got a real issue here. So I'm curious, Brandon, what uh, what goes through your head when you see this?
1: Well, I think you said this, but to use the example that whites are killed more often than we're in the fucking majority. <laughs> like we have more people, but if you look at the numbers, it's about the proportion. Like you have to look at things based on an average. You can't just look, well, whites get killed more than, it, that. Doesn't that argument doesn't line up. And, and that's what you said to this person was that, you know, uh, well, first off, you said something about like I don't know what stat you're referring to or something.
0: Yeah. So basically, I said I can't confirm your stat, uh, but I can say there's a way higher U.S. population of white people, which is 61.3 to 12.7 percent. So it's possible that your stat is accurate. That, but then I'm going to say that isn't the point though. And then I talk about how, like, unjustified killings are obviously they're not okay no matter what the race is. But I'm I say how. The police force is not applying the same rules to everyone, and that's what, the, that's what matters in the situation, is that everyone should feel like the police officers are there to be the superheroes to protect us, but when certain demographics feel like that's not the case, well, then the police force has failed. So I just I went on to talk about that a little bit. And then later on in my comment, another person commented and said, White people have been killed by black cops, you know. Funny how there is no violence then. Double standard, exclamation point.
1: No, hold on a second, though. That's not even true, because part of these riots and looting, number one, part of the people that are doing it are white people. It's not all African-Americans that are participating in rioting and looting. So right there, uh, you can't just blame an entire community for the, the, the actions that are happening. Number two, part of this fight is police brutality in general. We talked before this episode, there are two things going on. There is number one, police abusing their power in general. Police who think, it's not even, I'm not even necessarily saying that these are inherently bad people. I think anytime that a person gets into a place of uh, authority, the mindset changes automatically you think that you're in a place of authority so you should be just listened to and that happens with police what was that we've talked about this before that uh that uh prison experiment that happened these people were just regular people regular citizens and they put them in an experiment of a prison and you had some people that were part of the experiment that became prison guards and some people part of the experiment that became inmates and automatically Even though everybody was equal, even though everybody was just a regular citizen, you saw the people who became prison guards treating the inmates like they were pieces of garbage. So you get in these places of authority and you think that everybody should just listen to me. So you see uh, through these, now that we have video evidence of situations, you see people who are using their uh their rights to express hey why are you doing this like i I want an explanation and cops being like i'm not going to give you an explanation do what i say or else and then if they don't do what they say it turns to violence they're abusing their power so that's one aspect of it the second aspect is the racial aspect now part of our conversation has been uh a lot of this is implicit bias, so little things that you don't necessarily know that has carried on from generation to generation. But I think that one thing that's been kind of shocking is we've started to see the white supremacists come out of the, the woodworks with this stuff. And the fact that there is still explicit racism happening is shocking to me. But if you just want to say there is no racism anymore, you're wrong. There, there are now. Again, we have video evidence of people coming out, dropping the N word, and um, saying that uh, black people deserve to die. All this stuff, and it's like this is a real problem. There, there is that explicit. Explicit racism, as well as the implicit racism, and maybe some of these cops are explicitly racist. Maybe some of them are implicitly racist. But even if the cops themselves aren't there, we have a system in place that has been designed to constantly keep people of color down. I uh, there's a really good episode of The Breakfast Club uh, with Jamar Johnson. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his first name correctly, but he talked about uh, the prison system, how the prison system was automatically set up to keep African-Americans down. Because when you think about the emancipation of, uh, of African-Americans in this country, what happened after that? Black people weren't allowed to have jobs. Black people weren't allowed to do certain things. And so how were they going to get money? How were they going to get property? How are they going to get food? Well, In order to survive, they had to steal. So what happens when they steal? They get put in prisons. And when you just have this massive amount of people who are just trying to survive, but don't have the opportunities to survive, so they have to break the laws in order to find a way to live, then they get punished for it. They get put in a prison and then you start this tradition of uh, imprisonment. And then on top of that, you also see that the government's um, the government's answer to a lot of cr- to uh, certain communities. Number one, you know, you talk about uh, the gentrification of neighborhoods. Uh, we see that big time in Chicago. Stephen has talked about that multiple times. How the south side of Chicago, part of the reason why it's uh, so crime filled, is because just a bunch of people who are low income are just placed in there, and so. Now it's a dangerous place. But on top of that, I uh, also saw. I, I I like to say that some of these thoughts that I'm talking about aren't my ideas because I'm I'm listening to good points and I'm not trying to take credit for them. I can't remember who said this, but they talked about how the government's answer uh, to stop crime was to police areas more. They put more police there. But what you actually see is when more police are in an area, there's more crime reported. Because obviously there are more police there to catch more crimes. So you have these white neighborhoods where there's, I mean, I fucking knew pretty much like all my friends in high school were fucking smoking pot and that wasn't legal. But our neighborhoods weren't policed. If you were uh, an African-American living in a low socioeconomic uh, neighborhood... Your neighborhood is policed, so if you're fucking selling weed or smoking, you have a a higher chance of getting caught for the same thing that uh, John Doe uh, is doing down the road. But they're in a better neighborhood, so they don't get caught for it. So it is racial. It is. And it has been passed down, and that's part of what needs to be changed. Even if it's not specific cops having racism, the system in itself has been perpetuating a racial bias year after year after year. So I, I just, I, I think I made a mistake here cause I'm, I'm talking very intensely. I wish I would have spoken more softly and, and more articulate possibly. But I, I'm just saying, I, I, I think part of my burnout is that it seems like the ignorance and, in, in, uh, did you have more YouTube comments that you wanted to go over?
0: Well, I mean, I, I, well, I want to take one comment to say, like, I, I think y- your emotion toward this, though, I, I think it's it's difficult to be super articulate right now with any of this stuff. And I'm, it's not to say that I don't think that you got your point across. I definitely think you did get your point across. But I want to make a point to say that right now, I feel like a lot of people, they're finding it tough to have the exact words to say in the situation because there's just there's so many emotions and we want to say so much to try to like, get people to wake up and just shake people, but that it, it leads to sometimes us having a difficult time actually articulating exactly what we want to say, because it seems like no matter what is said, it's going to fall and it's not going to be understood regardless. And I just think when we get emotional, it's completely okay for all of us to feel emotional about this, no matter who you are, because... We, all, we are all impacted by this right now no matter who you are.
1: Absolutely. Well, and I wanted to say, uh, you know, so when I was gonna talk about the burnout that I've had is I, I, I do feel like there is a frustration of like, you feel like you have to shake people to wake them up to this. So I wanted to talk about, uh, I posted this on Twitter and Instagram, but for those of you who listen to the podcast who maybe don't follow me or don't pay attention to that kind of stuff, I wanted to talk about uh, a, a specific thing that happened, and I think it's a, I think it's, I had a takeaway from it, and I think there's a good learning lesson within it in terms of how to approach having these conversations going forward, or at least uh, where your motivation can come from. So, I I mean, I can go into this, unless you had anything else you wanted to say to preface this or anything else you wanted to talk about.
0: Um, I'll just give an example of another comment that I received, okay. which is, another person just said, I'm white, and in my past, I had a cop stand on my neck and perform that type of choke. Your skin color doesn't matter. They do whatever they see fit, and people are always blaming everything on their color. This is a normal, abusive power. The whole Black Lives movement just destroyed us or the U.S. I can't... They put U.S. dot, 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 or dot, dot. So I don't know exactly how these types of comments still happen and how... like. I read these types of comments, and I'm like, clearly this person doesn't understand what the actual issue that people are saying is. And for some reason, they're defending that this is not a race issue, but they also don't have any information to say that it's not a race issue. So I just – I mean – Well, and I remember you saying
1: to me, it's like, that person's alive. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And if
0: anything, this person is alive. So it's like – they clearly didn't perform that type of a joke because it. You live to tell the story and make this comment, so I don't even know. Like your your argument is immediately discredited when your first comment that you make on here is just not accurate because you're still here today to, to be able to write that comment. And I think that's partially what people are alluding to in all this is that, generally speaking, police officers are are willing to take like a step further, a step further to abuse their power, because we all know that they abuse their power regardless, no matter what your your skin color is, there's always been this this issue of police officers abusing their power, but the point is the reason why we have an uh, entire movement about Black Lives Matter and as I've said before, for people to, who say all lives matter, just think about the fact that Black Lives Matter is Black Lives Matter too. like that's the idea behind it, is to say that people don't treat Black Lives as if they're as valuable and that's wrong and that's why there's an entire movement based around it so when I see this type of comment I'm like you you fail to understand what the argument behind all this is which is that we are not valuing all lives equally and that's what matters
1: I saw a really good tweet today or it might have been an Instagram story but it said some of the same people who are saying all lives matter are also saying blue lives matter and it's like, wait a second. I thought all lives matter. Why are you specifically saying blue lives matter? So really, what you're saying is the problem that you have with th- that movement is the word black. And I thought that was uh, a good thing to point out.
0: Is like I haven't gonna, seen blue lives matter actually. Yeah,
1: people have fucking. Well, it's 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 for cops, and it's like
0: yeah, 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 yeah. The stuff is. Uh, I, I what, you thought you thought I thought it was like for Smurfs or something. <laughs> Dude, you fucking love Smurfs. That's what I thought it was, man. Um,
1: I, I just think uh, I you know, to a certain extent I understand some of why people don't uh, you know, people Actually you know what I don't? <laughs> I was gonna say I Okay, I can understand sometimes where people are coming from in terms of maybe not understanding why it's race, because of the layers behind it. Like I just talked about, like how the prison system was immediately set up to take black people off the streets and it perpetuated the racial bias and it has continued to per- perpetuate it through our systems. But at the same time, I just feel like if you actually pay attention to the numbers, the evidence, all this stuff, you should be able to see that it's, it is, yes, it is just police abusing their po- or not just, it is police abusing their power. That is one aspect of it. But, they're also, the racial bias does exist. And not acknowledging that is part of the problem. Not acknowledging that you don't have the, the same fears as an African-American living in this society has is part of the problem. You have a luxury and being able to even think that that doesn't exist is part of that luxury. Um, and that's part of the problem. So I'll get to this thing. So I had a, a person that I followed and she followed me back. She posted... She hasn't posted anything about any of this stuff, but she posted this on her uh, Instagram. It was, a, uh, it was like a meme, tweet, whatever it said, in, in asterisks, the internet right now. And then it said underneath, rational peeper, colon, what the cop did was wrong, and he should be punished. However, destroying businesses that belong to innocent people is not the solution. And then underneath it, it says, leftists, colon, you're a racist who supports police brutality. And then she wrote exactly why I haven't been saying a word about it, because when I say this, I get called a racist. So I messaged her um, because I just felt like this is also an issue, is when we, we focus the narrative on the riots and the looting, um, I, I think you're taking away from what the actual message is. Uh, not, And this isn't me saying, Yeah, go ahead, riot and loot. I've made my statement that I don't think that that stuff's right, but that stuff didn't fall out of the sky. And I said that to her. So I said, I think there are a few issues. Obviously, people sitting behind a keyboard can have a tendency to be a little more extreme. You know, when you sit back and you're not actually talking to a person face to face, it's a lot of times easy to just be like, you're hateful, you're whatever. So I think that that is extreme. But. When people choose to be silent over the numerous occasions, not just George Floyd, but then decide to speak out against people reacting emotionally is an invalidation of the origin of the issue. You're, and then I put in parentheses, not you specifically, just using you in a general sense, you're speaking out against the effect without giving a voice to the cause. And this happens repeatedly. Ultimately, I would argue the people reacting violently are in the minority, and when all is said and done, I believe we will see communities come together to rebuild things that were destroyed. But that's the thing. You can rebuild property. You can't rebuild a life. I think it can come across as insensitive when we lack empathy to that narrative, but we argue with how people are handling their strife. This stuff didn't fall out of the sky. It's a domino effect. Just my two cents... I'm not trying to be disrespectful or talk down to you. Just giving my thoughts. Hope you're doing well. So the reason I read this to you guys is specifically because she unfollowed me after this. Um, I made a joke on Twitter that maybe she was just doing the unfollow game. And she's like, oh, I don't really talk to that person anymore. And she just decided to unfollow me. But I think it's more likely that she saw this message, didn't want to hear it, unfollowed me. She didn't respond to me at all. She just unfollowed me. And I guess the takeaway for me in this situation is, and w- w- the, the real point within this, some people I think a lot of times just want to be stuck in their ideas. And the, they even maybe want to express that idea that they're stuck in, but they're not willing to take in new information. And you can approach them, you know, my approach with a lot of this stuff has been to try being conversational and respectful, because I don't want you to feel like I'm attacking you. I want you to just hear the information. And not to say that I'm perfect in doing that, but that's typically been my uh, approach to this kind of stuff, is that I I just, I want it to be a, um, a discussion of ideas and hopefully you'll take in the information, absorb it, and maybe apply it rather than just us fighting over you know, you being the defender and I'm the attacker. Um, so, you know, this happened, and I, I guess my takeaway was that regardless of how people are going to react, we can't, we can't be approaching these conversations with the, with the uh, sole motivation of, well, I hope they react positively and they, they open their eyes to this. Because in a lot of cases, you're probably not going to get that positive response, at least not at first. Like maybe she'll think about this stuff and maybe she'll change her mind later on, but a lot of times when you're first approached with something that challenges you, it's uncomfortable and you don't want to deal with it. So if you're doing this just to get everybody to change their minds, uh, and, and if they don't change their mind right away, you sink back, um, you have to recognize that your motivation is ex- externally um, built and that you should really be doing it because you believe that this cause is right, that there is, there needs to be equality. There needs to be justice. You are going to do your part regardless of how people respond. And hopefully they do respond in a way that leads to change. And so that's, that's just kind of what I wanted to, to get across is because these conversations are tough. They're really hard. And uh, I know Stephen that you, you feel the same way because it's like, I also think, You know, you and I are both empathetic people. So when people don't have that empathy for others, it it really hurts. It's tough.
0: I think that's a big part of why the burnout is so difficult, because you know that some people, no matter what you do, like you're not going to change their mind. And there's a chance that at some point some of these people will start to understand more. But you could try changing the way that you, you say something, but I don't think that that means that you should just give up like, with your overall mission, just say, okay, we've convinced everyone who's going to change their mind. I, I think that that's also a really dangerous place to get to, is just assuming that, all right, this is the line. This is this is as many people as we're going to convince, because I I don't agree with that. I think there's always, there's always a reason to continue to get people to change their perspective. It's just, a lot of times, the things that are difficult are, a lot of times, the things that you need to do, and that's... Why we continue to have these types of conversations, despite everything? Um, I mean, would I love to make an episode of the podcast where we talk about uh, like something goofy and and take a step back from some of this stuff? Hundred percent. Do I? And we'll be able to do that uh, at some point here. Um, but I think you have to pay attention sometimes. Like that, no matter how how tough it is. There's some certain things that go on in the world that you just you can't ignore because they're right there. And I think that as a a white person, I can probably get away with ignoring things more than some people, but that's exactly the reason why I shouldn't be ignoring it. Because one thing I've really liked about our conversation, Brandon and Rick, right before we talked about recording this episode is like, it's kind of on a way, like for the people who do have the privilege in a lot of ways, it's up to them to help the people who don't have the privilege it's in the same way of people always talk about all the time, I guess, to give an analogy, uh, people all the time, they talk about how like the billionaires, why aren't they donating more of their money? And we always talk about, uh, how they're in such a great place of privilege. If they just gave their money to people who needed it more, that would be great. I kind of feel like, um, part of this situation, it's similar. It's not in currency, but it's in privilege where the people who have the privilege We kind of should be helping out the people who don't have the same privileges and to try to make things a little bit more equal for everybody because we're not saying that anybody is above anyone. And that's the reason why I think even a lot of the people who who are a part of this so-called All Lives Matter movement, I don't think all those people have the wrong intention by them saying that. I just don't think that they grasp the concept on why specifically Black Lives Matter is an important movement. I think this overall idea that all lives are important that is clearly the case and and i I think that that's why like some people who just are bashing people for example people who posted the 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 black photo on instagram just like it was just, just like a solid like black square some people were pissed at people for doing that and part of me is just like Sometimes people don't have bad intentions with some of these things. Like, they're trying to make... I think a lot of people right now, they're just having a tough time even knowing what the proper way of approaching this is. Like, we're all kind of figuring this out together. So there does need to be a little bit of understanding of things. That being said, uh, there are certain things where I'm like, hey, if, if someone sends you a message that like they actually, like, thoroughly thought it out to try to, like, give a perspective, I don't really think you should just unfollow them like that that doesn't solve any bit of the problem even if you completely disagree well why do you disagree with it i guess you're not obligated to send that message but to me i just feel like that's a lot of the issue is that when people are forced to actually explain why they have some of their views they don't have a good answer when they're actually like pushed up against the wall like hey you know what 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 is your well, if, When people get back in the corner sometime, they don't have like a good explanation to things. And I think that's why it's important to continue to ask people these questions to really get them talking about it and really um, trying to explain their side. Because I think some people, they might even change their mind on things, but it's they're not going to be able to do it unless we continuously ask them the tough questions.
1: Well, you brought up a couple of things that I want... A couple of really good points that I also want to... Um to add to number one um the part that you talked about like a lot of people just don't know how to deal with this right now and i think that you're right that it's it can be a tough situation when people just get pissed at people for not knowing how to deal with it because i think it's just like i mean i get the frustration because we want change but i think that uh some people just haven't had to deal with this, so they're, they're trying their best. But I think that is another reason why these conversations are important. Maybe even the way that Steven and I are handling this isn't the right way. And if you feel that way, challenge us on it. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk about it, um, and, and we'll, we'll try to learn from it. But that, that is better than just complacency, than not doing anything at all. Um, So I I think that's important. The other thing I wanted to go back to is your billionaire example. You know, a lot of billionaires will say, well, if I give money to these systems, uh, and a lot of people who believe in like the the capitalistic uh, ideals through and through will say, if I give money to these people, they're just going to take advantage of the system. They're not going to apply that. What I would say is some people might. Some people take advantage of food stamps. Some people take advantage of of uh, different systems that are in place to help them out. But some people also use those for good to get themselves going. So to to translate that analogy to this, some people, if given equal rights, might still commit crimes. Because look, white people still commit crimes and we are in the place of having all the rights that we should have and having a system that is in place for us. So some people still break laws. Some people still do that. And if African-Americans or any other people of color are giving, given these opportunities, that's not to say that all crime is going to go away for those communities. So when people say, well, there's a ton of black on black, it's just like, yeah, this stuff is going to happen, but people should have the opportunity to work up the ladder or, or do things um, without constraints that other people don't have the constraints of. That's the point. And, um, you know, I I remember the conversation when uh, we were discussing gay marriage being legal and people were against that for some reason. And, uh, whether it was tradition or religion, whatever, um, it's not to say that gay people wouldn't get divorced at some times if marriage was allowed, but does that mean that they shouldn't have the right to get married? It doesn't make any sense. People should have the right to do things. If other people have the rights to do them, it just, it's, it's equality. That's, that's the point is we're fighting for equality. Um, which was there anything else that you had to say about this? Cause I ha- I have kind of a segue that leads into the next thing. If you,
0: no, let's go ahead and segue.
1: Okay, sorry, I just moved my mouse and it showed you guys the mute button and all that stuff. Um, so we got a, an email from Slice of Rage. You guys know her. She's a, she's a, a, a regular of the show. Uh, a lot of her email was uh, uh, kind of echoing some of the points that we made and, and she was very appreciative of us having the conversation. But there was one specific paragraph that I wanted to talk about because it actually reminded me of a video I watched recently. Um, She stated, I can understand the black community's outrage. There have been so many of these senseless killings and this murder was the straw that broke the camel's back. It's given us a peek hole into their world and the terrible treatment that they experience and we we can never unsee it again. So one of the things that I've been challenged with is, you know, when we, when we talk about this stuff and we talk about it specifically of saying like, I feel for the black community, you know, the black community is going through this. Part of me is like, why is it just the black community? Not, not to say that you're saying just the black community, but why isn't the emphasis on, I really, it's just like, I, as a person feel for people that are being treated in a certain way, you know? And, and I saw this, uh, this video, um, the if you guys wanna watch it, it's an IGTV video. The uh, account is AF3IRMHawaii. Uh, I, I'm not sure what exactly that channel does or I haven't looked much into it, but specifically the video, it was a posting of a, an African American woman who, uh, people were sending her a video of a young white girl who was arguing with her parents about black lives And how and arguing that they should be important and arguing for black rights and stuff. And this woman was like, you know, people were saying that, oh, my gosh, isn't this girl doing such a great thing? And and this is awesome. And she was like, I recognize that, you know, this this is a young girl, young white girl who is who's trying her best to explain this. But what you what you don't realize is the fact that you even have to have that conversation with people is the problem. The fact that you have to argue for black lives is the problem. That you have to argue uh, for why these people deserve um, equal rights, why why they deserve to be treated on the same playing field as the rest of us. There's a problem there. That we have been in a place with our, uh, as she calls it, our, our whiteness, our white privilege uh, where like the billionaires, we think that we just deserve what we have and other people don't. And that's not always explicit, but we're also complacent with the systems being set up that way. So in a way it is explicit. And I think that that's a really good point because when we talk about, I'm, I'm feeling for the black community, it's, it's not just the black community, it's all communities. These are people being treated on a different playing field than the way that we're being treated. So it's all communities. We're all freaking brothers and sisters and we should all be fighting to be in the same, uh, like, yeah, I I, I guess I just wanted to say that because I just feel like that was such a good point and it it challenged me because I I was coming into it like, how do I, do I stay separate from when people are saying the black community or, because it just feels like, I just care about people. Like, shouldn't people just be treated this way? Is there the separation? Because I think it is important to acknowledge our uniqueness with each other, but it's also just like, but at the end of the day, we want equal rights. We want equality within all people. So I just, I, I wanted to bring that up because it, it made me think about that.
0: Yeah, I I agree. This, I mean, in a perfect world, we would just look at this as not even like, we just look at this whole thing as we're all just people. But it's... I mean, it's never been that way. At some point, hopefully, it will be that way. But people who have privilege, they never want to get rid of the privilege. Like, that's... People have been unwilling. Like, at people who have been royalty... When they're royalty, it's not like they just give up their royalty and say, You know what? I have everything, but I'm going to get rid of all of it. Like, no. They just... People who have a lot, they tend to stay on top because they just continue to like keep their privilege and it's like I want as many people to be privileged as possible so being privileged in itself is not a bad thing at all like it's it's good to have a sense of like you have a good quality of life but everybody should be privileged which I guess in a way everyone was privileged then maybe no one was privileged but I guess my point in this is right it should be we're all on an, an equal playing field and I think that's why it's the responsibility for the people who have the privilege right now to be the ones who help push everybody up to that level like that's the only way this is going to get done and that's the reason why though it's a movement that seems like it's very much um uh, from from a white person standpoint though it oftentimes it feels like well you know what am i going to do i i i feel like i've i've been a good person and all this stuff like i don't like is it just bad that i'm white and the answer the answer is no it's not bad that you're white at all it's just i feel like Our responsibility in this is how can we not abuse any sort of privilege that comes with us and instead use it for the greater good of the people. And that's the reason why people, I think, get frustrated with billionaires because we're not saying that billionaires are bad people. Some people are, and those people, I say, like, that's just – you can't objectively equate someone's being a good or a bad person – off of just their monetary value like that in a sense that is that is not okay either to me but the point in it is it's that the billionaires who have all this privilege like i genuinely believe that there is a sense of responsibility to help out the people who are less privileged because you were able to sort of take advantage of a system to achieve your wealth and now it's sort of responsibility to give back problem is I feel like some people they don't believe in helping out the greater good of the people they might say that they do but actions speak louder than words a lot of people they just care about their immediate family it's like it's your immediate family against the world and as someone who grew up in an italian-american household and was very much um a big believer in if you can take care of your family and make sure your family is in a good place if everyone could take care of their immediate family the world would be a great place right because then if everyone was happy within their unit, then everything would be great. We all know that it's a lot more complicated than that. There's other pieces, to the, pieces of this puzzle than just that that working because some families are very disjointed and who knows all, all kinds of issues that can arise but I just think and you've seen it a lot through the pandemic that we act like we care about the greater good of the people but you could just see our actions, they don't they don't demonstrate that we care about the greater good of the people. Like, people go in, and they, they're fighting over toilet paper and stuff. Like, there, there's clearly an issue of people just wanting, like, if if, if it if you're in a good position and everything is going all great for you, well, why are you going to put yourself in harm's way to help out someone who's not in a good position? Right. We don't do it. And I think that there's a bit of a problem to it. It's something that I'm working on with myself. Like, I'm trying to assess what more can I do? And I, I still don't think I'm doing enough. I don't know that I'll ever feel like I'm doing enough, but I I talk about this because we've been very focused on specific parts of this movement, but I think the the big thing that from the positive standpoint is just finding ways to shift this whole idea of like the privileged people not helping out the people who don't have as much privilege. So if there's anything that you, if anyone has any thoughts on that, like from my own personal standpoint, I would like to be able to use, because I feel, I feel very blessed in this world that I'm able to do what I do, which is why I feel like I need to be doing a lot. It's like I feel an obligation to be successful because I have, I've had the privilege that has allowed me to have the chance to be successful. And I, I, I want everyone to be able to have that. And I don't know if it's possible, but I'd like to work to make that as close to a reality as I can.
1: Well, and I think, honestly, that feeling of thinking you need to be doing more, in a lot of ways, I think that that's a good place to be in in life. Like think about even to, to make it uh, separate from uh, you know, the, the thesis of what we're talking about. Think about like your, you pursuing your dreams. You always feel like you need to be doing more. Like you should be doing this here or that there, but does that mean that you stop doing the stuff because it's just like, there's so much that I could be doing that I'm not doing. So I'm just going to back off of it. No, you keep going. You keep trying to refine how you do stuff because it's what you want. It's what you think is right. And you keep going for that. That can apply to this as well. And and, and you're right. I think in a lot of ways within humanity, there is this every man for themselves mentality and Maybe eventually we can have that mentality, but until every man for himself has the equal opportunity to fight for themselves, it doesn't, that's not going to work. So, and you know, I'm not saying that we're ever going to get, I don't know if we're ever going to get there, but that doesn't mean you don't fight for it. Like that's the thing with, you know, think about the environment. I don't know if we're ever going to be able to rectify the environment to the point uh, you know we might be at a point of no return with with how how much we've polluted things but that doesn't mean that you don't preserve what we have so far so that you know life on earth has a better chance of lasting longer than if we just like you know what fuck it let's just destroy the earth altogether maybe that extra 1000 years that we preserve by changing the environment allows people to come up with an invention Or find a a planet within the galaxy or outside of the the galaxy in the universe, I mean, that we can have sustainable life on. And that was because each of us took our steps to to do it. It's just like also uh, voting. Like people say, uh, well, my vote doesn't count. It's like if everybody thought that nobody would vote and the people in power would be in charge, like they, they would keep the the system the way it is there wouldn't be change that we needed so it's just within your individual self i think you have to ask yourself what do i believe is right and even though i might not get the immediate impact or feel the immediate effects or maybe my voice isn't as loud as another voice because i don't have money or whatever does that mean that fighting for this or, or speaking on this i shouldn't do it i would argue no If it's, if it's right within you, you got to keep going. You got to keep talking. You have to do what you can, because I also think that within our small communities, like there are people that listen to Steven and I, there are people that listen to what we have to say. It's not like we are in this huge place of power, but you guys listen to us and maybe you don't always agree with us, but we, we talk and you listen or you disagree, whatever, but within that community, we have some, somewhat of a role of, of doing something and and that doing something, meaning something. So I think that, that fits everywhere. You know, people have, uh, uh, a leadership quality in, in some way, shape or form, whether you're a, a mother, a father, uh, a friend that within your friend group, everybody goes to, to ask for advice or whatever. Like there are all these little sub communities that, your voice can mean something so
0: yeah um is there any specific uh other like thing that you've noticed that you wanted to talk about
1: well i i, I did go to a protest so i wanted to talk a little bit about my yeah, yeah yeah
0: actually that's i was yeah we haven't even talked about that let's uh let's hear a little bit about it yeah so well first of
1: all you know Stephen and i talked last time about the the protests uh, being difficult with, uh, obviously, the coronavirus, the pandemic is still here. And, uh, you know, that, that, uh, what I will say is I, I definitely go into this protest, I'm nervous that I have coronavirus. Um, so I'm doing my part to quarantine myself. You know, Stephen and I aren't, uh, you know, even though Chicago has lifted the quarantine, uh, him and I are staying apart from each other because I don't want to give it to him if I have it. Um, but to me, I just felt like this, fighting for this with other people who are willing to fight for this uh, is was the right thing to do for me. So I decided to, to go, even though I was a little nervous. And what I will say about my just overall experience is this was a peaceful protest. There wasn't any rioting or looting. The energy was incredible. Like you got there and it was just like, like for me, just in general, I'm being an extrovert and like you know, I talked about when I first moved to Chicago, just walking through the streets and being around people, I felt like this charge uh, within myself. I I felt that on the front end, but then also just the fact that we were all there for this specific purpose of fighting towards something, just like, it it was really uplifting and really, um, you know, as a starting point, it just felt really good to, to, to be there and to to be doing it, so we walked through the streets. This was for Brianna Taylor, who was uh, killed in March, I believe. Um, it was her birthday on Friday, and uh, so we walked and, and we would we would shout things like "Say her name, Brianna Taylor." And we uh, we got to a certain part in Chicago, and we took a knee and we, we sat there silently for eight minutes because she was uh, she was shot eight times, um, and then we we walked some more and. Uh, a lot of this was not only just to celebrate Breonna Taylor, but to give voices to black women. So black women uh, were asked to lead the, the protest so that they were in the front walking in front of everybody. Um, Oh, there was a fucking hilarious sign. I was telling Stephen about this. It said, uh, sex is pretty good, but have you ever fucked the system? <laughs> I that
0: was hilarious. That's a pretty good one.
1: Yeah. Um, and then we, we stopped and, and, uh, uh the the leader of it she gave the the megaphone to different black women uh who had an opportunity to speak to the crowd and yeah that was my experience and then we just walked back to where we started and uh, it uh overall i just i i walked away feeling like if i'm going to talk to you guys about this i also need to back it up with some sort of actions and so it felt good to to follow up with with, with some sort of action and I wanna continue trying to figure out ways to actually take action rather than just talking at you guys because I feel like for me personally, um, I I would struggle with that uh, within my conscience. And so it just was a good experience for me to have. Oh, one other perspective I had, sorry, (laughs) I know I'm talking a lot, Um, was that as we were walking through and we were being peaceful, part of me was like, you know what? is sad about this is this protest isn't going to get any coverage no one no one outside of the people protesting and the people who saw the protest out in their life are going to know about that protest and so that's part of the thing when people talk about oh the rioting and looting is bad and I I agree that specifically doing those acts is bad but at the same time those acts have gotten people to pay attention to the protests and so part of me is like, it's sad that it comes to that point where we need to pay attention. We don't pay attention to what people are protesting. We are able to ignore it unless there is something completely extreme that's happening. And uh, that, that thought ran through my head and I just, uh, I don't know, it was, it was sad to think about because what people there were fighting for and what people were doing there peacefully, there was no arrests, nothing. You know, it, it was it was a righteous thing, and yet I don't know if it's going to get the the airtime that uh, all the horrific things are going to get.
0: Yeah, I think it's actually it's an amazing point. I, it was it's it's terrible that we've seen so much destruction done as a result of all this stuff, but we know for a damn fact that when the destruction is done, it's going to go right into the news and people. It's going to become a very polarizing topic, and that's why a lot of people have been really pissed off. Like. Wow, we've got such a, a terrible situation now you've just made it way worse by destroying things and yeah it's it's incredibly frustrating to to think of how a lot of business owners now are like wow i've been in this pandemic the whole time i've had no money and then now my business has gotten destroyed so i obviously i i don't i don't like the fact things are getting destroyed but you can clearly see that that has contributed to this getting so much press and by getting so much press i feel like there's a better chance the real changes are going to happen as a result of it. In the end, I can't say that that actually means that it was a good thing that we did all this destruction. I don't really know, but but the point that you make that it's best chance to get the press com- coverage. Like this is the most press I have seen for a race issue probably in my entire lifetime. Um, I, it's just people are angry. The timing of it, just everything about it. So you're ultimately right when people say, you know, peaceful protest. Well, peaceful protests haven't really done much. When people do peaceful protest, um, like, they didn't even listen to like like Colin Kaepernick, he, he does a kneel during the National Anthem. Now, that actually, that turned into like a big thing, but he was highly criticized for for just kneeling as if like, that wasn't a good way to protest. So, yeah. there's not a, a best way to protest, but we can definitely see which one get people to start talking
1: yeah exactly and that's the point of the protest is it's not supposed to be the best way for you to not pay attention to it it's about you paying attention to it i remember when i was living in minnesota i think it was during the trayvon martin stuff people were protesting on like the highway or the freeway and everybody was complaining they they weren't rioting or looting but people were complaining like go protest somewhere else and it's like you're not paying attention to where the protests are anywhere else on the highway and freeway, people are talking about it because they're upset with it. It's like, yeah, you should be upset, but guess what? You should actually be upset about what's happening here that people are ignoring. So it's just—I uh, think it's—I think there's logic behind it. It's not just, and it's set up this way because the only thing that gets a voice are these bigger things. So you can't keep just saying, "Go do it somewhere else," or that's not the right way to protest. It's—it just that argument runs flat. There is no right way to protest. You're protesting something because you think it's wrong and you're fighting against it. So you got to, the attempt is to get people to pay attention to the injustice. And uh, I know that we've said this before, so I don't want to beat a dead horse, but, but yeah, I just, uh, I think there are a lot of things here that uh, are, are uh, worthy of paying attention to. And I'm glad that we had this conversation i know that we did get an audience question that was separate from this do you want to oh, talk there, about this there to, it is yeah to have a positive so, you know, outing
0: yeah so with all the all, a lot of negativity going on in the world we thought we uh we might end the show with uh something just like a, a simple question that we got asked and it actually it, it hits real close to home and i'll talk about that in just a second but the question that we were asked was uh what's your favorite card game this is, I feel like, it's extremely relevant because at a time where a lot of us, you know, we were stuck in quarantine, um, and just in a time where a lot of things are not open late, you got to kind of get more creative and maybe get a little bit more old school when it comes to things. And uh, as a result, maybe uh, board games and card games might be making a bit of a, a resurgence to popularity. So with that said, Brandon, what is your favorite card game?
1: Well, you allowed me to use what I was calling a board game as a card game. So since you qualified it for me, uh, star Wars, epic duels. Um, I, I might've talked about this on the show before, but you get to pick a character from the star Wars franchise and it's basically the last man standing. You can have teams or you can do one V one. Um, I, I, actually, before I did the protest, Steven and I hung out finally for first time I've, I've seen his apartment. Uh, <laughs> since he moved yep. there. Um, and we played some Star Wars Epic Duels, but it's just... Uh, you, I'm a big Star Wars nerd, so um, I, I really enjoy that game. Uh, that, that that would be my favorite if, if if it counts.
0: It's pretty fun, too. I played it my first time. I, I actually enjoyed it, and it wasn't overly complicated, which is another thing I like a lot about it. Yeah. Now, for me, my favorite card game is this game called MLB Showdown, and... For those of you who have listened to this or watched me on YouTube, you know that baseball is my favorite sport. and It's one of my favorite things on planet Earth. And back in 2000 or 2001, my dad bought me the MLB Showdown 2001 starter set. And uh, it was it's something because like my dad's, uh, my dad's friend bought it for his kids, too. And he's like, oh, yeah, they really like this game. It's like, it's like collecting baseball cards, but you can play with the, with the cards, too. So I started playing it back then, and then I got my friend into it. And then, like, all my friends, we all started to buy the cards. So from years, like, 2001 or 2000, somewhere in there, to, like, 2003, 2004, we were really into this game. We would play it all the time. And uh, when a new year would come out, there would be, like, a new series of them. And what's funny about this game is... I found a bunch of other people who also played this as a kid, and I actually played online in, like, a league (laughs) during quarantine for a little bit, which was really, really random, but also fun. So uh, I recently have been buying some of the cards again to play it, and my goal is to get Brandon to play it, too, because it's pretty fun, and this game is old enough now that, like, the cards that I bought were, like, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Ken Griffey Jr. Like, it's a real it's a real nice throwback where it's like nostalgic. And as someone who collected baseball cards, like I kind of like the collectible, collectible aspect and I'm obviously competitive. So it's kind of fun to try to make the best team, but uh, I'm looking forward to playing it again.
1: Yeah. I'm looking forward to playing it as well, especially because I paid attention to baseball more back then than I do now. So having those old time players, I think will uh, make it even more enjoyable. Um, and it might even be something that gets me paying attention to baseball again because that's typically how things work. Like that, I think one of the reasons why I pay attention to football so much is because I play fantasy football. So it's like those little things that kind of make you involved.
0: Uh, oh, yeah, dude, fantasy baseball, 100%. It got me, like, I was always into baseball, but, like, when I started playing it again, I, I would start paying attention to, like, way smaller things that I wouldn't normally even think about like oh this guy just got called up to the big league it's like I did, probably wouldn't even know that player even played that year but now I was like really in tune with it yeah any anything else that we want to cover on today's episode no I uh, I think
1: I uh, think we had a good talk so I'm uh, I'm ready to sign us out if you are
0: okay and it's like what? is he gonna
1: come with more stuff?
0: Oh no, I don't have anything else to say. Okay. <laughs> um I mean, I, I always have more stuff to say, but I think we don't need to make like nine hour episodes. No. Uh
1: well thank you guys so much for listening. Uh again, we know that these conversations can be tough. Uh you know, take care of yourself if this ne- you know, the stuff feels negative and it feels like it's it's a heavy burden. Um but uh, but don't don't give up on these conversations. Don't give up on talking with us. Um, if you want to talk to us, if you have any thoughts, comments, or questions, email us EMgpod at gmail.com or you can uh, direct message us, whatever on Instagram, Twitter, at EMGpod. Stephen is at Stephen Russell B. I am at Brandon J. Flippin. In addition, make sure that you uh, subscribe to the Everything Must Go Podcast YouTube channel. Uh, to see our beautiful faces as we talk about these uh, topics. And if you want to leave us a a voicemail that uh, we can play over the air in regards to this stuff, uh, give us a call at 513-427-EMG5. Again, that's 513-427-EMG5. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.
0: Take it easy and stay safe.